Hi everyone, this is Haley from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. J.W. Mason, Professor of Medicine from the University of Utah, and Michael Grilinski, CEO and co-founder of Core Dynamics. Both are experts in preclinical and clinical ECG safety assessment and discuss how to improve regulatory submissions through enhanced ECG interval and arrhythmia assessment. Let's dive in. So to get us started, I will ask a question to you, Bob, from Sandy. What species has the platform been qualified or used for? Yeah, thank you, Haley and Sandy, for the question. The Rhythm Express software has been validated for use in humans, in dogs, in non-human primates, in mini pigs, and then recently for use in rats and in guinea pigs. And this includes interval and arrhythmia assessment, including, for example, ventricular topic beat assessment. Great. Thank you. Dr. Mason, are there situations in which you cannot or should not use concentration ECG modeling? Thank you, Haley, for that question. It's a, a very good question. And the answer is, yeah, yes, indeed, there are. Uh, and I'll just mention a few of them. Probably the most important one is when there is uh, pharmacokinetic, pharmacodynamic hysteresis. In, in the presence of, let's say, a delay in the appearance of a QT effect, in relationship to plasma concentration, then CE modeling is very difficult to use. There are some statistical approaches that have been uh, suggested and used, but they're iffy. So that's one situation. Another one is if the drug has a very long, constant plasma concentration, like a monoclonal antibody, for example. In this case, we don't have enough variation in concentration to do concentration effect modeling. Another instance would be um, herbal drugs. Traditional Chinese medications often have multiple components and the actual active or effective component may not be known. So here we don't know what moiety to uh, measure the concentration of to relate it to uh, ECG effect. There are a few others, but these are the most prominent ones. Thanks. Thank you, Jay. Dr. Grilinski, can you discuss differences between ruling a compound out versus ruling one in, so positive versus negative results, and using the automated software? Yes, uh, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for that question. Yeah, there's a couple of ways to look at what we're doing here. And, and again, sometimes this applies differently for IND enabling studies versus maybe some earlier studies. So sometimes with earlier compounds, you're looking to, you know, triage compounds and, and whatnot. And oftentimes, you know, what we're doing with this, the power of the software allows us to not only meet uh, safety requirements for human, but also importantly for smaller biotech companies to meet due diligence requirements for positioning their compounds for sale. So what I mean by that is, is sometimes the thresholds are a little bit different if the compound ultimately is going to end up for sale from a small company to a large company, and that bar is a little bit different. That can be a slightly different 
uh, need than uh, fulfilling the requirements of a GLP study. From ruling a compound in, we've seen that happen with actually manual review of waveforms that unfortunately misclassified ECG abnormalities as arrhythmias when they really were not. So we've run some some waveforms that were acquired, you know, prior before arrhythmia analyses were conducted, and the technician actually from some of the conducting laboratories misidentified arrhythmias. So we were to go actually to go back and be able to use the software to save compounds, which is always appreciated, I think. Perfect. Thank you so much. While I've got you, CORE-D1 compound has the profile of an NA channel blocker. However, parent compound had a non-effect on ionic channels. Is this an indication that a metabolite with NA channel blocking properties was formed in vivo? Yeah, I saw this question and I actually smiled because um, uh, Christian, who wrote that question, actually was very prescient there because we had those discussions uh, with the client. And what we ended up doing to answer that question was using the Langendorf assay. So we put that parent compound in there. There'd be no metabolism occurring. And we did see the same results, the increase in PR interval, the QRS prolongation. So there were sodium channel-like effects present from the metabol or from the parent compound in the Langendorf study. So again, just speaks sort of the complexity of these things. And what we have not yet ruled out that metabolite may be playing a role here. It seems that, unfortunately, we have a little bit of discordance between the ion channel assays and the whole heart and in vivo assays on face value. Great. Thank you. And Dr. Mason, we have another question from, from the same attendee, Christian. The FDA and Rhythm Express methods do not use the same pseudical points for the assessment of TP and T offset. Which of the two methods best represents clinically relevant safety endpoints? Thank you for that, Christiane. I appreciate the question. Christiane is a, a long-term colleague of mine, and he knows very well I can't answer that question. That's why I asked it. But it, it is an interesting question. We would need to have a long-term study in which we use both measurement methods, and then we would have to wait and see which of the people in this large study had arrhythmias or died suddenly to truly answer that question. But uh, we can speculate a bit about it. The, the Rhythm Express method gives you a shorter QTCF and a shorter T-peak-to-T-end. And traditionally, T-peak-to-T-end has been thought to be the better clinical, clinical indicator of risk, better than J-to-T-peak. Now, getting these shorter values with Rhythm Express would probably be very appealing to a sponsor because basically we're saying that that drug is marginally safer using the Rhythm Express results. On the other hand, if you're the patient receiving that drug, you want to be cautious as you can possibly be and perhaps err on the side of overcaution. So I think it, from various perspectives, one or the other measurement method could be preferred because of these differences in fiducial points resulting in differences in the actual values. But I think it'll be a long time before we know the real truth about the risk prediction. Thanks. Thank you, Jay. Um, and Bob, I'm going to bring you back on for one final question. Yu Jing has asked, 
Is the Rhythm Express software from VivaQuant GLP validated? Yes, so thank you for the question. And yes, in fact, it is GLP validation, validated. And in fact, we just fairly recently went through the most recent validation of the newest build with uh, very extensive documented validation testing. We have done quite a number of GLP compliance studies and we have uh, a quality assurance unit on staff, we have a board-certified cardiologist that reviews and signs off on these reports, and we have also undergone an internal GLP audit of our documentation system. So yes, we are fully prepared to perform GLP studies. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you will tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work, offer tips, tricks, and best practices, but most of all, share science. Don't forget to subscribe.